You know, quite a difference. Last week we had Charles Haddon Spurgeon here, as you might remember, those that were here. He looked a lot like Pastor Bill. But uh, we also had a full house. Wasn't it great to see chairs set up in the back and every, every chair pretty much full? It was a great Sunday. Um, it's tough to follow Charles Haddon Spurgeon into the pulpit. Uh, he focused on three words. Remember what they were? Anybody remember? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Yes, out of Genesis 3.9. Well, so as not to be compared, I'm going to focus on just two words this morning. Instead of a question... This is a call. We're going to be in John chapter 21, very familiar text this morning. We'll read from verse 15 through the end of the chapter, but then we're going to come back and focus on just a small section of that. Let us ask the Lord for his help and commit this hour to him. Father, as we read this very familiar passage, I pray that the familiarity wouldn't make us immune to it, I pray that we wouldn't be hardened to what you'd say to us this morning, but that with open hearts, open minds, we would receive your word. To the end that we would become more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, this passage, let me tell you at the outset, is a a very important one to me personally. Uh, Midlife, I struggled as some people do and was looking for kind of an identity in Christ. Uh, At the moment I was not pastoring and just kind of wondering who I was and where I was going. And I, reading through the Gospel of John, I came to this passage and I read it over and over and over again. And uh, it became really the stimulus, if you want to call it life verse, I think they were life verses, but it became the stimulus for my later life. And maybe we should set the scene before we read. Uh, You know, the disciples had just had breakfast with Christ, the resurrected Christ. And I'm sure that Peter and the others were still processing what was going on here. You know, this was a pretty novel experience. Christ, they'd watched him crucified, they'd watched him buried, and now they had witnessed him in his resurrected state. And so they... What you might think they'd do is what they did. They went back to a familiar task. They had to eat. And so we find they go back to their fishing. In fact, uh, verse 3 of that chapter says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. Now, part of it was out of necessity, and part of it was I think there was comfort in the familiar, that they could get back to something they knew. And there was some kind of a, of a foundation to their life that they were familiar with because everything else had been rocked. I remember of an experience before we read uh, this passage in John 21 earlier in Peter's life. You remember that when after Christ's baptism, he almost immediately begins to call his followers, call his disciples. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he runs across a couple fishermen. They namely Peter and Andrew. And you remember what he said to them? He said, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then he walked on and he found some other, James and John and later Matthew. And there was a familiar phrase that he said to many of them. And it was simply, follow me. You know, I've wondered at that. 
how much did they know about Jesus? If someone says, follow me, I kind of want to know who they are and where they're going, don't you? Uh, share an experience that I had a few years back. In the early 90s, I traveled with a group from Summit Missions to Eastern Europe. This was soon after the breakup of the Soviet Union. It was kind of a menacing feel to the, to the country of the Ukraine. And uh, we went to Kharkov, second largest city in Ukraine, about a million and a half to two million people. Anybody ever been to Kharkov? Good, I can tell you anything. Um, Kharkov was really, to me, a very menacing city because I didn't speak the language. And then one day we split up. There were three or four of us, and we were going different directions. And so they, they assigned a young guide to me and said, go with him. There were some things that needed done downtown. So we got on public transportation and took off. But what I realized very soon is Ukrainian buses are never full. They just keep crowding on at every stop. They crowd on more and more and more. And then I realized it was very easy to get out of sight of him. And trust me, it was kind of embarrassing probably for him to see a man with a, a grown man with a hand on his shoulder. But I was making sure I was connected to him. Because I didn't know the language. I didn't know the address of where we were staying. And, of course, I didn't really even know their name fully because the, their name was foreign to me. So I just realized how helpless I was at that moment without him. You know, when, when the Lord said, follow me, I don't know if Peter had any of that same kind of a feeling. But there are times in my life when I have, I've had the same kind of a feeling. Lord, where's life going? You ever feel that way? What's coming next? Where's life going? But there's an amazing fact. When you settle in your heart from the very beginning, Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You've said follow me, and I'm going to follow. And when you settle that out in your heart, then the decisions become much easier. Because no matter what comes your way, what kind of a distraction. You know, when I was with that young man, occasionally I'd look out and I'd see a building that looked really interesting. And I think it would be neat to go over there and see that building. But then I realized the consequences of that were to be separated from him. A lot of distractions in life that can pull us away from the Lord. A lot of things that look kind of interesting. But when we make the decision to follow him, then the, the decisions are under the larger umbrella. All the decisions of life fall under the umbrella. We are followers of Christ. When Christ said to Peter, follow me, I don't think he could have known everything that was ahead. What could he have known? Well, he knew that Jesus was the son of Mary, knew the stories of the virgin birth, and I, I'm sure believed them. Uh, he had watched Christ's life. He'd seen some of the miracles. He knew the testimony of John the Baptist, remember, because this, this was after the baptism of Christ. And I'm sure he had heard what John the Baptist said, if he didn't hear it directly, that Christ, uh, he, as he approached him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I'm sure Peter knew all of this. But he couldn't have known where Christ was taking him. He couldn't have known fully about the awful cross that was ahead. He couldn't have known of his own denials. He couldn't have known of his own failures. He, he couldn't, I don't think, possibly have known that. 
And then, lastly, I don't think that he fully knew that this Christ is also the coming king. This was the one that said, follow me. Now, let me just read through this familiar passage, and uh, you track with me. Starting in John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Then Christ went on to say this, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walk where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple who Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things, John, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is sure. And there also are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You know, I, I look at this passage and I see that Christ probing Peter three times. What, what, wouldn't that have been a, a sobering experience had you been Peter? For the Lord to say, Peter, do you love me? Uh, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, do you love me? Of course, it harkens back to an earlier time in Peter's life when he had denied him. How many times did he deny him? The same three times. And the Lord's restoring Peter, and he wants him to know it. He wants everyone else to know it. But there's more than this. There is the examination of a heart. And what I find in this is really the motive for service. You know, guilt is not a good reason to serve. Uh, the reason to serve the Lord is love. We love him before, because he first loved us, that's true. But before he told him to feed my sheep, tend my lambs, care for my flock, he said, do you love me? And if you love me, then I have service for you to do. And I think that that's true today as much so as then. 
The Lord has service for us to do. It's great to have Ken and Judy with us on their way to Southeast Asia. And I know Ken. And Ken's not a perfect man, are you, Ken? I don't think so. I don't think so. But Ken's a godly man, and Ken is going out of love for the Lord. And then I hear of House of Hope. And I watch folks who have, have put their life on hold in many ways and have said, we're going to follow him in serving the children and families of Ghana. Isn't it good? But it comes, did you hear it, out of a motive of love for the Lord Jesus. And love for the Lord Jesus is the motivation that causes us to want to serve others. Do you love me? And I think the Lord says that this morning. Many times the Lord has asked me that question. I believe, do you love me? Sometimes it's hard to say yes. Sometimes it's hard to say yes because I know who I am. And I know my own frailties. But the Lord presses in. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? And we say yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he says, well, tend to my sheep. You know, you may not be called to go to Ghana. And I'm quite sure you aren't called to go to Southeast Asia. Not very many people are. And you may not be called to go anywhere, although you might. You just might. If you say, I'll follow you. But what we are called to do is to represent him here in Randolph. What we are called to do is to be his ambassadors to the people in our neighborhood, our friends, our family. And so we do that, act of service, because we love him. Then he says to Peter, verse 18 and 19, Peter, this is how you're going to die. And we know that because of what he says here. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And uh, history has it that Peter was crucified. History also, or perhaps legend, I don't think we can say this for sure, but it's uh, well thought that Peter said, I can't be crucified as my Lord, that I want to be crucified upside down. So it says that when you're old, someone else will stretch out your hands, and they'll close you, and they'll take you somewhere where you don't want to go. Then look at the end of verse 19. He had told Peter how his life was going to end. He said, Peter, follow me. Regardless of distractions in life, no matter what's coming and what juncture we are, no matter what intersection we are in life, the Lord Jesus says, follow me, follow me. End of life, the Lord says, follow me. And listen, this is important. On November the 5th, I'm going to go to bed as a follower of Christ. And on November the 7th, I'm going to get up as a follower of Christ. And so are you, if you've made that decision. And no matter what happens on November 6th, and this is a, a very sobering time for our nation, that's election day, for it haven't tuned in. No matter what happens on November 6th, it does not alter who we are. Because what the Lord Jesus is saying, yes, you serve because you love me, but in your essence, your person, you are a follower. Follow me. How you're going to die? Let's not talk about it. Follow me. And then Peter, and I, I don't know exactly what motivated him to do this, but 
In the following verses, it says, uh, verse 20, Peter turned around and he saw another disciple there, John, the one who Jesus loved, who had a special relationship with Christ, as did Peter. And he said, well, Lord, what about that guy? And look at the response. Verse 22. Jesus said, if I will... Till he remain, that he remain till I come. What's that to you? You follow me. Don't give me distraction, Peter. No matter what comes, the call remains the same. You follow me. I don't know what, uh, was, it, was it pride that prompted Peter to say that? Was it misery loves company? I, I'm not sure exactly. I suspect maybe a little bit of both, don't you? that he was maybe just a little bit concerned if, if he was going to have to suffer, why shouldn't John? Um, I, you, can, you can surmise that if you want, but this I know, that the Lord says it's just a distraction. You follow me. You know, the call remains the same today. No difference. When the Lord walks through our life, wherever we are, uh, whether we're school teachers or whether we're tending a mill or whatever it is, the Lord says, follow me. Did you see that young Ghanan lad? Did you hear the testimony? Wasn't that good? Wasn't that good? That little guy heard the Lord say, follow me. And he's following. And you know, there's, a, there's another wrinkle to this. What we're talking about here is really discipleship. Because that's what a disciple is. A disciple of Christ is someone who attaches to him, who follows him, becomes like him, whose lives are so integrated together that they're one. And, and in following him, we become like him. And you, you watch this lad, and you listen to what he's saying. You sense that he's becoming like Christ, don't you? He's following the Lord. Peter, well, let's not get distracted here. Let's not worry about what end-of-life issues are. You follow me. Peter, let's remember that this is an intensely personal commitment. This is between you and me. Don't worry about John. Whatever happens to John happens. Don't worry about it. You follow me. You know, this morning, we do not know exactly what route the Lord will take us on. But he does. You know, that guide knew exactly where he was going through the streets of Harkov. And as long as I was attached to him, I was okay. But what would have happened, and I've thought about this a few times, what would have happened if I'd gotten detached? Well, maybe I'd have found an English speaker who could somehow have gotten me home. But I would have wandered for a long time. I wouldn't have known what to say. And in, in a sense, the Lord is... is taking us out of a foreign land. He's taking us out of a place where we're sojourners. He knows the way through. He knows everything that's ahead for us. He knows every obstacle that's ahead for us. And if we'll attach to Him, and if we'll make a decision that I'm going to follow Him, as many of you already have, I'm going to follow Him, then it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what the obstacle is, does it? Because we're going behind our God, the Lord Jesus. So who is this that's calling us to follow him? Yeah, he was the babe born miraculously in a manger. 
Uh, he was the man who lived an absolutely sinless life, performed miracles, showed compassion, loved others. A uh, great man. But he was more than that. He was the Savior who suffered for our sins. He was the Savior who was buried and who rose again, who ascended into heaven. But listen now, he is also the king who's coming. And he is coming. And we say together, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But the Lord's coming. And so why should we follow him? Folks, he has it under control. And the Lord's call to all of us this morning, very simply, is follow him. Follow him. And the Lord would have us to say, as they're saying to these children in Ghana, as Ken will be uh, working to help propagate the gospel in Southeast Asia, the Lord would say through us, follow him. Follow him. You know, the time that I had this interchange with the Lord through this text. I'm not sure where I was, but life had gotten pretty difficult in many ways. Family issues, not my wife, fortunately, but other issues. Uh, my kids were growing up, and they weren't exactly going the way I wanted them to. Um, I couldn't seem to do anything about it. And my own vocation, I didn't know where I was going. But when the Lord's voice settled in, and I understood that these are peripheral issues, that in my heart of hearts, and with all of my will, my decision is to follow Him, then the rest of this got simple. And I want to say to you this morning, the same is true to you. That if you hear the Lord's voice saying, follow Him, that the rest of the decisions get very simple. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, that's the starting point. That's where you've got to start. You've got to trust Him to be the one who's a substitute for your sins. And then you've got to trust Him to be the one who's the Lord and guide for your life.